you're absolutely dreading this family Christmas get-together. You know you should feel happy about it. It is Christmas after all, but you know there will be awkward conversations. Your parents sharing their favorite embarrassing anecdotes about you. Your super weird uncle. I mean, the list is long of things that cause you not to want to go to this thing, but there is someone who knows you well and feels that you should go there. And they tell you, well, you have to understand some things about your family, and you have to go into this with the right attitude. They're right, of course. I mean, you're right, too. Your uncle is super weird. But nonetheless, the right attitude goes a long way for preparing for that event. Uncomfortable family get-togethers are not nearly on the same scale as fire and destruction and melting away of the, the entire planet and the universe on the last day, I understand. But preparing for the inevitable end with a proper attitude is needed. Peter helps us with that this morning. That's what our, our friend, the Apostle Peter, says to us. He tells us that the Lord will return he says that Jesus will return as the King of Kings on the last day. There are some things to know about that day, and there is some preparation that is needed. So Peter helps us with that this morning as we are reminded or we learn that Christians are always ready for the last day because we understand what God is like, because we know how this ends, and because we're looking forward to the end. Have you ever tried to figure out what time is like to God? Like what it means that he is eternal? Or you think about how Genesis says that, that God created everything one day at a time, but your mind starts traveling down winding paths and maybe influenced by some things that non-Christians say about evolution. And you say, well, maybe, maybe... A day really was like a million years and not 24 hours. Well, and maybe Second Peter really makes that a possibility. For the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. Not to travel too far down your winding, wandering road with you, but you should know that there are at least a few very simple responses to this idea. When God says that there was evening and morning the first day and so on, he is literally describing to you a 24-hour day, just like you know those days. And this is just the beginning of that path. Another simple answer is that Peter is not talking about a day equaling a thousand years, and he's not talking about creation here. What he is talking about is the eternal nature of God, which makes him not bound by time. God is above time. His relationship to time is different than our relationship to time. There was a time when there was no time, if that makes sense at all, because God created it. On the very first day of creation, he got the clock ticking. It has been perfectly consistent up until today. And so you and I experience time in this linear fashion, a way that makes a thousand years seem like a very long time. But what this says is that a single day or a thousand years are really 
the same thing to God. We can't comprehend that. So we take the path back home and we stop the wondering about it. And then we can get to the the point that Peter's actually making. And that is that the Lord has promised to return on a day that is the final one for this world. And Peter assured his first readers, and he assures us too, that even though we may feel like that it sure is taking Jesus a long time to return, and, and we think that we have seen all of the signs that precede the end that he told us to look for already fulfilled, the fact is, this is not a long time for God. He has a point in this world's time when this will happen. Just like he had a point in this world's time when he would send his son into the world to be the Savior. But what is of highest importance to him is that people respond to his love and repent of their sins and see him as their God and their Savior. So he is literally giving us all the time in the world so that people can come to faith in him. He is patient. He is waiting. He is wanting people to come to him. You could see this same desire in God when he sent John the Baptist to prepare people for Jesus to come. You see the grace of God here, right? Think about God's grace. Think about his patience. He could have wiped out Adam and Eve after they fell into sin. He didn't. He could have destroyed Noah and his family when he destroyed the rest of humankind in the flood. He didn't. He could have gotten so fed up with his chosen people, the Israelites, and said, you know what? Forget the whole mess. He didn't. Why? Why does God just keep going, giving more time? Here, delaying his return. As it relates to our sense of time, this seemingly long time is because, it says, he is patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. For all the scary judgment images here in this, these words, don't miss the love of God here. Do pay attention to those words. He is looking for people to repent before him, to acknowledge their sins in the face of God's holy expectations. God does not turn away any who call on him in repentance, and that includes looking to Jesus as the one who forgives all of those sins completely. God wants this, and so he patiently waits. As Christian people, you know this. You're ready for the last day because you understand what God is like. You appreciate his patience. You love him for his forgiveness, and and you trust in his promises uh, of forgiveness through faith and, and that he will take you to heaven on the last day when Jesus returns as the king in all of his glory. And you want this for other people, too. How many of you have alarm systems on your house? Yeah, you don't want to probably raise your hand for that security question. Or how many of you have uh, those ring doorbell things on your house? This one you can raise your hand to. How many of you have locks on the doors of your house? (laughs) 
and on your cars and your shed and your dorm room and your school locker. This is very normal, all of these things. It's normal because we know there are people who break in and steal. And so we're prepared. We're prepared because we don't know uh, what day that might be. We don't know what night that might be. We don't know what time of the day or night the thief will decide this is the time to come. When Peter wrote that the uh, day of the Lord will come like a thief, uh, he was recalling something that Jesus said. So be alert because you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this. If the master of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. You also need to be ready for this reason. The Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect him. You know this. You know better than to try to predict when the end will come. You know to prepare for it. And you know how all this ends. You probably recall things that the Bible says about the the day that Jesus returns in judgment, about how he returns in his glory with trumpets and angels, and that he'll be coming for us to take us with him for all eternity, and you are ready for that. Besides telling us that judgment day will come unexpectedly, Peter shares with us what else will happen on that day. Everything we see in this world, in this universe, everything around us, everything that we own, absolutely everything will be destroyed. There will be nothing left. Well, only this. You and all people and the Lord himself. Everything else, gone. Dissolved, burned up, melted, Peter says. Picture the most incredible enormous, fiery explosion from a movie scene. Or maybe a scene where there's a natural natural disaster, like a, a meteor crashing into the earth, threatening all of humankind, maybe even destroying the planet itself. They can do some amazing things with special effects. I mean, unbelievably, stunningly realistic. But no CGI visual effects or anything that we can imagine can do justice to what we will see and what we will experience on the last day when the king returns in all of his glory and the created world and universe, all tainted by sin, crashes and burns and goes away. Peter tells us this so that we're not surprised or afraid of what we'll see, but just the opposite, so that we are prepared and we are unafraid. The timing of that day We don't know. But what will happen on that day is not a mystery to us. God has has told us these things, and so we're ready. And as God's people, we listen to him, we trust his word, and we're ready because all this ends. If we know that all of this is going away, what exactly are we supposed to do while we wait for that day? Well, we certainly wouldn't want to live with a a focus on things here, would we? That would be pretty pointless. 
and overattachment to the things in this world necessarily damages and threatens our relationship to God. Ultimately, it could lead to a horrific last day and eternity if those things should lead us uh, to be separated from God. And how much worse for our children if they learn this from us? And what a waste of our precious time if we don't help others see their Savior, people that God says he is patiently waiting for. This could be tragedy for us and a lot of other people. And why? For things that are only going to get burned up and go away? Focusing on the wrong things is disastrous because none of that's going to matter when the earth disappears from under our feet and there we are before Christ the King and in that moment we know what eternal is and we understand eternity. Another thing to watch for is a lack of eagerness for Jesus' return. That's an indication there's, there's something a little off in us because a Christian wants that day to come. A Christian feels the effects of sin in their life. They, they see the effects of sin in other people. They see a hurting world, and so they want what God promises. They want the end of all of this and a new heavens and a new earth where Christ rules, where righteousness is over all things. It could be that a lack of eagerness, a lack of interest in Christ's return, is something that we need to repent over. The kind of people that God wants us to be is spelled out for us right here. Uh, repentant and forgiven people in Christ. Peter urges to, to live in holiness and godliness as we look forward to the end. We live in a way that indicates to God that you do understand him. You do know and trust how all this is, will end and that you're eager for that day. The world and the universe is going to be entirely annihilated. But he says a new heavens and earth will take their place. Only perfection there, only righteousness there. You and I will be perfect and righteous there, and we look forward to that. And so Christians have a, a little different outlook on life. You know, what we live for, and what's important, what we should do. We're after a life that pleases God and is a blessing to others. We want to, to live in uh, peacefully, he says, uh, to live sinlessly, uh, spotless and blameless, he says. Our imperfect natures are going to rise up daily, but daily we're going to go to God in forgiveness for those sins and, and know that we find forgiveness there. He's the one that makes us spotless and blameless before God. We have a family get-together to go to on the last day. The family of believers will gather around, not a Christmas tree, but around the throne of God. And we'll gather there, not to celebrate the birth of Christ, but we'll be in the presence of the resurrected Christ. We have no worries about this gathering. This is one that we're ready to go to, and we're eager to go to, and that we will go to, when Christ returns. Amen.